smoking, thanks to Nitro, that's all gas. On the hunt in a tall grass, intercepting every ball pass, then I run it back, that's a TD. Check the scoreboard, y'all last, we up one, you see me. Pussy niggas wanna talk about it, go to Hellcat, no demon. I be politicking on your broadcast, at the red carpet like the famous homie. Ask your bitch, really famous homie, and you know it's Emmy, it ain't on me. So creative like I made Adobe, I've been balling like I play with Kobe. What's the deal? What's the deal? Politic in the podcast. We back again here Wednesday nights, man. Just gonna get it in. Got a slew of topics, man. First thing we gotta get to is the Warriors Lakers series, man. So Lakers surprised everybody when game one, and now they have taken control of home court advantage in the series. Finally, Joel Embiid has won his first MVP. He's been going at it, trying to get this for like the last, I would say, three years. And he finally got it, man. Joel Embiid, officially the MVP this year in the NBA. Magic Johnson is set to be the first black owner in the NFL as an ownership group, uh, as an investor group that he is a part of, has bid $6 billion for the Washington Commanders. So... It's looking like Magic Johnson is going to be the first black owner in the NFL. Missy Elliott is officially the first woman artist to be inducted into the hip hop Hall of of Fame. I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's the first female hip hop artist to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And the debt ceiling is at two. $22 trillion, and the Democrats and Republicans cannot agree on whether to raise the debt ceiling or not. And if we don't do it by June 1st, it looks like America will be heading into another recession. But let's get to it, man. What's the deal, fools? What's the deal, Amrock? What's the deal, y'all? What up? What up, though? You already know, man. This this NBA playoffs has been going crazy. And unfortunately, we're still talking about these damn Lakers. So the Los Angeles Lakers surprisingly took game one yesterday. Anthony Davis had a hell of a game. Steph Curry didn't get the last shot. Jordan Poole took a 30-foot three-pointer and missed. And the Lakers held on and won. What do y'all think about the Lakers winning? And now that they are the favorites to win the series, you still got the Lakers over the Warriors. What's your predictions? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say this. Um, I believe, or well, I believe, before the series started, that the Lakers um, could potentially win in six. I won't say they're the favorites. I don't even think the Warriors are favorites. Um, I, I, I think the clear favorites, um, you know, in the Western Conference is Denver, and in the East is Boston at this point. But with the Lakers in this series, um, if Anthony Davis plays like he, we're you know we're um, capable of seeing him play, um, which is like how he played last night, they could win this series in six. Um, of course, Golden State, you know, they're going to come back strong next game, now, you know, and they came strong the first game, um, and the Lakers still found a way to win. Uh, I think with the Lakers, with this Lakers team, they're just playing a little bit better defense, um, and Anthony Davis is the anchor. Um, 
know, as far as he goes, they go. Um, so he can't come out and stink up the joint um, in game two. Um, he needs to come out, you know, uh, being aggressive um, because the, the Warriors will certainly come out being aggressive in game two. You know, Steph is going to – Steph or Clay is going to go off in game two. Um, so, you know, but the they, they also, you know, had decent games in game one as well as Jordan Poole adding, what, seven, six, seven threes. So um, – and the Lakers were still able to win. So um, I think the Lakers are going to win in six, but I wouldn't say there's a clear favorite in this series. Um, the Golden State Warriors could come back and win in six too, but – I'm just going to say that the Lakers, as long as Anthony Davis is healthy and playing the way that we know he can play, I think the Lakers can win the six. I would never go for the Lakers. (laughs) I would never go for the Lakers today in my life. So, but I think it, I think it could go six or seven games. It could go either way. I mean, unfortunately this isn't the same, warrior team that it used to be so i mean they struggled with the kings they went seven games with the kings they've been horrible on the road all year long um and that just doesn't fix once you get into the playoffs people think once you get into the playoffs it's, yeah it starts all over yeah it does but when you, what your habits in the regular season carry over um, so as of right now, it pains my heart to say this, but the the Lakers have the edge because they did what they were supposed to do. They got one. That's all they needed. You got the first one to win a road game, right? And they went into Golden State, which has home court advantage. Let's keep this in mind. The Warriors have been struggling on the road. You lost at home. I'm just saying, and it shall be an interesting series because I believe what they said yesterday was, I think the Golden State and Lakers are the only team that's pretty much playing close to a back-to-back. Like, every game is like one day off, got to play basketball. One day off, got to play basketball. I mean, dang, the Knicks. I mean, their next game is into like next week. I heard they got like five days off straight. So I will we'll see who's going fatigue first. Um, but a clear winner, you would never hear from my mouth ever in my mouth. Come out and say I'm going for the Lakers unless D Rose is playing for the Lakers, and it would still be hard for me to say it. So go to state. Golden State in six, Golden State in seven. Longest Golden State wins. I'm a happy man. Somebody beat the Lakers. That's all that matters to me. All right. Um, if y'all watch the Draymond Green show, man, one thing that Draymond Green mentioned is that this was the first time that he's been in a series where he's playing against LeBron, and LeBron is not the primary ball handler. And they, they came in, and, and the whole strategy was thinking that LeBron was going to have the rock in his hand. And LeBron, that wasn't the strategy. That wasn't what happened. So I think that the Warriors will definitely come with a different strategy. Steve Kerr, you know, he came with that Hampton 5, put Andre Iguodala in that, that starting lineup, made that adjustment, 
And that was the thing that got him that first championship. That's why Andre Iguodala got that uh, uh, finals MVP that year. So I'll say, man, I don't know, man. I just think that Steve Kerr, he if it's against him or, or Bumpy Darvin Ham, I think that Steve Hurd, he definitely got out coached that first game. And that last that last play, everybody's talking about uh, uh, Jordan Poole taking that 30-footer. But Steve Kerr was the one that got out coached in that moment. Why are you calling an isolation play for Steph Curry when everybody in the fucking world knows that that play is going to Steph Curry and the ball is going to Steph Curry? So when you call an isolation, now you got the rest of the team just standing around watching, thinking Steph is going to go to work. So when Jordan Poole gets the ball, he's not even expecting to get the ball, and he just shoots the shot because nobody's guarding him. So you should have called a play for Clay Thompson. You should have called a play for Jordan Poole. You shouldn't have did the most obvious thing in the fucking world and call isolation for Steph Curry to take the last shot. Steve Kerr dropped the ball on that, and I blame that loss on Steve Kerr. That was a fucking terrible play. That was a terrible choice, and no one is talking about that. Steve Kerr definitely dropped the ball on that. Was but if deal. he would have, but if Jordan, if if Jordan Poole would have made the shot, which technically was it a bad play? Because if that play, everybody knew it was going to him, and then Jordan Poole has the ball, and Jordan Poole missed the shot, which is wide <laughs> open. If he would have made throw, it, he would have been a hero. If I throw a Hail Mary and the dude tipped the ball up and the other receiver that the ball wasn't even thrown to catch the touchdown, does it make it a good play? No, it's a touchdown, but it's still a dumb call yeah. by, the, well, by the coach. You won well, the game. Well, I, I think, um, honestly, that the game wasn't lost on that play. Like, Golden State was behind the entire game. You know, they trailed the whole game, I think. Anthony Davis established his dominance down low, um, scoring the ball. Um, they couldn't do nothing with Anthony Davis, especially in the first half. So I think, you know, that it was, the game wasn't lost in that play. We all knew the game wasn't over when the Lakers were up 10 with two minutes to go. Golden State could erase, erase leads like that. Like, I wasn't watching the game live. I'm tracking it on ESPN, and I'm saying Steph for the three, and Steph is going to hit a three. So the game wasn't lost in that play. So I can't blame that totally on Steve Kerr. That the, the Warriors, they they live and die by the three. And sometimes those shots don't fall. Like y'all said, if Jordan Poole makes that shot, he's a hero. So I think they live and die by that shot. Is this series over or does this necessarily mean the Lakers are in control of this series? Absolutely not. The Golden State Warriors or championship team, they've done this a thousand times. They've been through adversity. They faced a beastie LeBron in his prime. This isn't the same LeBron, so the Warriors are not afraid of being down 0-1. They're going to respond in game two and uh, win game two, and this is going to be a series. It's going to be a series. It's a game of adjustments. Um, the Warriors have to figure out what to do with Anthony Davis. Obviously, LeBron's not, not going to dominate the game like he used to. Um, <clears throat> and the Warriors have to figure out a way to free Steph up more. I mean, Steph could – he has handles and he could do a lot of things, but they're going to – be focusing on stopping Steph Curry. You know, they, they know if they stop Steph Curry, they probably stop the Warriors. So it's a game of adjustments. I don't think that I still, I'm still picking the Warriors in six. I did pick them to win, lose one of these games, the first two games, because they have done this throughout their tenure of winning championships, losing one of the first two games at home. But the Warriors can win on the road. They proved that last game in game seven, game in a, in a regular season. Everybody thought the Warriors couldn't win on the road, which they couldn't, but they didn't have a full roster, man. They got Wiggins and GP2 back. 
And um, Looney's playing at a high level. Looney's probably their second best player right now with his 20 rebound per game average, um, 23 rebounds yesterday. So um, I think they will respond, and uh, this will be a series. I still got the Warriors in six. I just don't see Anthony Davis being able to get 30 and 15 every game. And LeBron can't dominate the series series like he used to. He hasn't had one dominate, dominant game this playoffs, although the 2020 game was nice. It wasn't dominant. So um, like we used to seeing LeBron doing. So um, I think the, the Lakers – Definitely, definitely can't let up. They can't. They, they can't think that they're up and go on cruise control unless they're gonna mess around and lose three or four straight games like the Kings did. I just think that the Lakers, man, they they're gonna live and die off of how many free throws they get, and they shot free throws well. But if you look over the season statistically, that's been one of the biggest problems is knocking down them free throws. Now, as far as Draymond Green, this this is the end for Draymond Green with the Warriors. He cannot stay on the court. He's unreliable. He's getting suspended. He's stomping people out. You get three fouls in the first half. Half of the things that they're going through this whole season is all because of Draymond and his inability to step up in the moments in which in the past, that's where he stepped up last night. He was so, like, he didn't even look at the rim. As soon as the ball got in his hands, he was looking directly to pass the ball. You don't got nobody within 15 feet of you, and you're not even looking at the rim. That's how bad your shooting has been. So if Draymond Doreen doesn't clean it up defensively and find a way to stay in the game and not get a bunch of ticky-tack bullshit fouls, then he fucked around and got a technical. You get another tech, you're going to be suspended again. He's LeBron's friend. You got to remember that. Draymond looked like he'd be throwing games out there. He he he, if he oddly has a weird love for LeBron. He was about to miss a game and go to the game where he broke the record. And Steve Kerr was like, no, you're not missing a game. He has a weird, weird little love for LeBron. It's weird. Like, that's not your that's not your teammate, bro. Like, this is a battle up here praising him before the series start. I hate this era, man. What happened to the shit talking? Like, I can't wait to, to face these guys and, and kill them in the next series. You know, they're over there on the Lakers side, you know, praising Steph. You know, oh, my God, he's such a wonderful player. And then Draymond is, Brian is just so great. And it's going to, nigga, tell me what you want to kill him. And you can't wait to beat his ass again. Like, I hate this new NBA. This shit wild, man. Yeah, that shit is not the same, man. Well, that's what Memphis did. And then, and then you know, we all, we out here. So, this new, it's a parade in my city. I keep hearing this shit from all the fucking Lakers fans. It's a parade in my city. No. The Lakers, man, they had a hell of a move at the trade deadline. They, they got some nice pickups. They did. But guess what? The deeper they go into these playoffs, exposed. the more the more bag these players are going to want in this offseason, the harder it is going to, to be to keep this core together. So unless you pay everyone, which you don't have the capabilities of, or get a Kyrie Irving in the offseason, this, like Stephen A. Smith said, this is LeBron's last shot at a championship. So you saying LeBron is a But you also got to put in there. Go ahead. But you also got to put in there, yeah, Anthony Davis did his thing, but the X factor for the Lakers to actually win, to actually help them get to where there was, it was a cool period where uh, D. Russell was doing his thing. If D. Russell shows up, you're going against a different Lakers team. If D. Russell don't don't show up in the next game, 
He, I don't he see was, him. He was, he was. He ain't gonna be able to sustain doing that over his the thing. He, he has to guard Steph. He has to chase around Steph and Clay. Like they got, they got Vanderbilt. So they got Vanderbilt chasing around. They put him in the starting lineup. They got Vanderbilt chasing around Steph, and Vanderbilt did a pretty good job. Now, as far as Clay, Clay was hot, but they was just so. Steve Kerr was just so Curry, 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 and that he and then the last five minutes of the game. Curry started to get hot, and the rest of the Warriors just kind of sat back and watched Curry do everything. So when the last play comes and it's an ISO for Curry, they've been standing around the last five minutes of the game. So when that play is called, they're not only cold, but they're not even, like, engaged like they should be. They'll, they'll make the adjustment just like they did when Sacramento came and beat them down in game six in their own floor when they're supposed to close it out. The Warriors looked dead in that game. They looked like, what, what team are we watching? And they came and made the adjustments in game seven. That's what championship teams do. So you got to know they're going to respond. They're going to adjust. And uh, they're going to come back ready. Like, the Warriors are not going to go out just and lose another game and get swept. Like, they're going to make adjustments. They'll be fine in game two. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, so, I, so, so I got the Warriors in seven. If the, the Lakers are smart, they'll win it in six. Because if that – just like with Memphis, if that game seven go back – you know, to the Golden State, the Lakers are going to have a hard time win, winning that game seven, you know, to move on. So they, if the Lakers are going to pull this off, they better do it in five. Not six, six is worst case scenario, and I don't see them doing that. So this series now is going seven, and I got the Warriors in seven. Well, let's, let's get to this next topic, man. So, Joel Embiid finally is officially the NBA MVP. It was coming down between Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. Now, Giannis had a first-round exit against Miami. They were a play-in team that lost their first play-in game and then had to win the second one and then came in and, and sent Milwaukee home. So, Given that, based off that, there's no way that you can give Giannis another MVP. Jokic, the way Denver is playing right now, and Embiid coming off an injury, I was surprised that they didn't give it to Jokic again. I thought that they were going to give it to Jokic again, but they have officially named Joel Embiid the MVP. So now he don't have to cry no more. There's no more shit in the press conference, crying, not talking to the media. Last year, I think that that was the reason why Philly didn't do what they were supposed to, because after he didn't get the MVP, he was, like, disengaged. So what are y'all thoughts on Embiid, Embiid winning this MVP? Y'all think it's well-deserved? And what type of momentum will that give, you know, Philly going into Boston? They won that game one. I'm not sure of the score. Let me check the score of tonight's game. Who won tonight? Y'all know? Uh, Boston, Boston snapped them. Boston was up. They smacked them by like 35, 40 points. They so you get here. MVP. So you get MVP and you lose. That's how you respond. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you didn't win game one because of you, because you sat out. So therefore, Harden gave you game one. So Harden already gave you his best game. Now you got to go in and try to beat Boston. So the thing is with this MVP stuff, it seems like when you MVP, is it really a curse now? Like, let's say Philly loses, right? 
So Philly loses, he gets MVP. He ain't go nowhere. He didn't do nothing. I mean, we give an MVP to the Joker, and I don't know how you can get MVP, and your team ain't even wasn't even the best team in in the NBA. That's how we were giving it to the Joker. He wasn't even like first or second seed, and we were still giving him MVPs. Okay, cool. And where did he go? He didn't go nowhere with the MVP. I thought MVPs wins championships. That's the last time I've been checking what's going on with these MVPs. You know, we just give them. Now, for Joel, he deserves it. He got robbed last year. I think he got robbed. This year, he got it. But now that you got it, like Kalen was saying, if you were crying about it before, now that you got it, hope you ain't one of those people that once you get what you want, you stop working. Because there should be no reason why you got smacked by like 20, 30 points today. You should have went out there and shown why you were considered MVP. And you did not do that today. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, for the, you know, it's a regular season award. I think it was well deserved for the regular season. Um, I mean, you know, all his antics off the court. I mean, you know, it is what it is, you know, how he plays on the court. Um, at the end of the day, um, is really all that matters. But, um, you know, it's a regular season award. He performed um, at his best during this regular season. Really, the last two, to Yaz's point, I think he was robbed last year as well. Um, you know, he led the league in scoring. Um, I think it was 33 uh, points a game, 33.1 um, you know, for a center, especially in this day and age where threes are flying from everywhere, um, you know, uh, I just think it's well deserved. Um, again, like I said, he was definitely robbed last year, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, he's definitely got to come out and perform during these playoffs, uh, especially with Milwaukee out of the way. I mean, you know, everybody's looking at, hey, you can get Boston out the way. Then you got either the Knicks or Miami. You should certainly beat them and possibly make it to the final. So this is your time to shine, Joel Embiid um, and James Harden as well. Yes, he did shine in game one, but uh, he didn't do anything in, in game two. So. You know, so we'll see. I mean, Joel just came off that injury. They're going back to Philly. I think they don't play for three nights, so he's got time to rest up. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. But you know, Boston can shoot. They're gonna be they're gonna be a tough out if if Philly does it. It's, it's gonna be a, a, a tough out. But I think for the regular season, it's a regular season award. Joel and B deserve. Um, I mean, I think the top three candidates, obviously, Jokic. Jokic. Embiid and, and Giannis, either one of those guys could have won it. Uh, they all had the numbers. Um, I don't necessarily think Embiid was robbed last year. Um, I think I think he's a better player than Jokic, honestly. Um, Jokic puts up the triple doubles and all that stuff, but that stuff doesn't move me. I think when I see Embiid on the court, if I see Embiid on the court, I think I fear him against my team more than I fear Jokic. I just feel Embiid, fear Embiid being able to dominate the game take over a game more than I do Jokic. Jokic is a very, very skilled player. But I, like I said, um, we're, we're going off. We gave Jokic these MVPs in the past because, you know, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. has missed time over the last three or four years. This is his first year having his full team. So, yes, he was a 16 and got it. And I felt he, you know, it was warranted. But, you know, the same energy wasn't given to a 2006 Kobe Bryant when he had Smush Parker, Kwame Brown, and Luke Walton as his starters and took that team to a the playoffs against the Phoenix Suns, which that deserved the MVP in itself. But 
you know, the MVP is just a weird award, you know. Um, I think they, they, they give players the MVP the wrong years, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, you know, um, Embiid, you know, his numbers obviously show that he deserved the MVP, but it could have went either way. Now, the MVP, you got your MVP, like y'all was saying, like Amrock was saying, now, what you going to do now? I mean, James Harden, like y'all said earlier, that was his best game, like, that probably was James Harden's best game I've ever seen him play in the playoffs. And he's not going to replicate that. He's not going to do that again. That was a one-time thing. You can't look forward to James Harden having another one of those games. So, MB, if they have a chance to beat the Celtics, and finally, because they, they've been losing to the Celtics every year for the last three or four years, if they have any shot of beating the Celtics, MB's going to have to play like the MVP. And uh, this is probably his best year to get a chip because, you know, whoever come out the West, whether it's the Dubs, you know, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Lakers, any of those teams, you know, those are going to be, a, that's going to be a tough team for, for a Sixers. So, or an easy team, I think. I think the Sixers have more talent than all of those teams on their roster. So, um, if he's MVP, go out there and show us. Like, I know you're coming off an injury, but don't lose this series to the Celtics again. Like, go out there and play like the MVP. Because every time Harden and him ball, they want to say that bullshit. Look at the mini Kobe and Shaq. If y'all don't knock it off with that boost, they are nowhere close to Kobe and Shaq. But, but go show us something. I don't know. I think the MB did deserve it this year. I think last year he deserved it also because Jokic's team, yes, Porter Jr. and Murray wasn't there. But overall, just like y'all brought up, Denver was like the sixth seed last year, and they had Jokic get the MVP back-to-back. It would it would it would have been cool if Jokic didn't get it the year before, but did he deserve it back to back? Having your team be a sixty? No. So I have to agree with y'all on that. There's no reason why he should get a back to back MVP while only taking his team to a sixty. So that was ridiculous. As far as the the who was the people that get the vote on this? I think it's like journalists and media, media. people. I mean, but I think former MVPs too. Mm-hmm. You know, this this award is just I don't know. It's a it's a it's a I think it's less about your numbers, it's more about the NBA product. Who can they prop up and sell? And I think that like Amrock mentioned, his ta- his is his tactics off the court is not something that the NBA would really want to prop up and put him as the face of the M- of the NBA. So because of the things that he does off of the court, he's not necessarily the prime person that, you know, the NBA wants to prop up as their guy and their face. And they definitely have to find a a face moving on from, you know, LeBron and Steph Curry. So the NBA is searching for that new face. You know, Memphis and John Morant, they had a good, you know, chance at it. But then John's in the club waving guns. So the NBA is definitely looking for that new face. That's why they try to prop Luca up so much this season. And what Luca do? He didn't even make the playoffs. So as far as finding that next person that the NBA can say, this is our guy, is looking like Giannis. And right behind Giannis is Jokic. And they're 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 turning this into an international game. And I think that's why these type of players are gonna always be at the top of these voting lists and always at the top of the NBA's uh, you know what I'm saying, list as far as propping up and making sure that they get as much as they can to become the top person in the league. 
And I think that that's ultimately the NBA has a product to sell and everything is about money and they trying to gross, especially after the bubble, after the whole, you know, last two years, this is like the first season that regular basketball came back last year was a condensed season, you know? So this is the first year that the NBA got back to business as usual. The play-in ended up being a hit, even though most people didn't want it. The play-in actually had great ratings, and it actually added a lot of uh, parity in the NBA because all teams were playing until the very last second this year instead of trying to, you know, go for the Victor Wimanyama sweepstakes like we've been seeing previous years where if you ain't making the playoffs, you just tank to try to get the best player in the draft. So I think the play-in did eliminate that. Kudos to, you know, the NBA for that rule change. And MB, 2023, you know, MVP. But if you can't get past the Celtics again, then all of this don't matter. And that's facts. So let's get over to the NFL, man. So if y'all haven't heard, man, uh, the Washington Commanders have been on sale. Their owner has been caught doing racist remark and treating his his uh, employees like shit. So the NFL couldn't force him to sell, but he complied and said that he was willing to sell. And he got a $6 billion offer, and that offer came from an investment group that includes Magic Johnson. So Magic Johnson has ownership in the Lakers. He has ownership in the Dodgers. And he has ownership in the L.A. Kings. And now it's looking like he's going to be the first black owner to have ownership in the NFL team with the Washington Commanders. What are y'all thoughts on this news? Now they're saying, hey, you can't say that they're not letting black ownership in and we got three black quarterbacks drafted in the first five picks so the nfl is definitely trying to change their narrative as far as how they treat black ownership and how they treat black quarterbacks what are y'all thoughts on nfl and magic johnson's and this move right here as they prepare to purchase the washington commanders does magic johnson own the Washington Commanders. So it's an investment group. So none of the owners are outright owners. It's a majority. Mm-hmm. So the majority owner is usually the person that you say is the face, but there's always owner. Like he has a partner, part ownership of the Lakers, but you know, Jeannie Buss and the Buss family are the majority owners. So he will not be a majority owner, but he will be a minority owner. So a minority being a minority owner in the NFL. What's your, what's your thoughts? So he ain't majority. Uh, I mean, kudos to a brother getting in, getting in and getting some ownership. I mean, but he has ownership of other big companies. So, okay, he got in. He got the money for it. But that doesn't do anything NFL. Like, okay, cool. We want, see, that's where we just settle for, oh my gosh, we got one in. That's cool. But he ain't majority. Like, we settle for right here. And then we'll go, well, it's a step above, y'all, where we used to be. 
yes, it is a step above where we used to be, but most of the time we just settle for that step above. We don't want a little part of ownership. We want ownership. If you got a whole bunch of white owners that are majority, then we need some black owners that are majority. So that's just my whole thing on it. Yeah, you, 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 you're making steps, NFL, but you can make bigger steps if you choose to. And I just wanted to remind, remind the people we can't just get stay on that boat of average and just go, okay, cool. We went up one level. Let's back off of them and leave it alone. That's why we in the position where we in with the president. We 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 gotta keep asking. Now let's go to the next level. Thank you, Magic. Now let's go get uh majority rights, our majority of ownership. That's my whole thing. Yes, I, I agree with Yah on that. Um if I'm not mistaken, Magic sold his uh his ownership stake to the Lakers to get the Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he has ownership of the Lakers no more. Um Yeah, that's correct. Like y'all said, I mean, that does nothing. I mean, Magic is getting his paper. That's what he's doing. But he ain't got no power. If you're not a majority owner, you don't have any power in that organization. That's not a black-owned team. Still not a black-owned team. That's just like when you go to In-N-Out and you go inside and you see one black worker out of 12 workers in there. We're supposed to be happy and proud of that. Like, he's a minority owner and he's getting his paper. It does nothing for the culture. It does nothing you know what I'm saying, that's going to sway anything that we're talking about. The NFL ain't trying shit. The NFL is full of shit. They're drafting those players at quarterback at black because they're dope as fuck and the game is changing, not because they suddenly want to help the culture out. They have no choice because black quarterbacks are the new thing. They've been a thing, but now they're 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 they're, they're refusing to say, to say no. They're taking over. You know what I'm saying? Black quarterbacks is winning Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes, two-time Super Bowl winner. You know, all these other guys in a, in a black quarterback, Lamar Jackson's of the world, finally got his paper. I know we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He got his paper. So the black quarterback is, is really making noise and they're revolutionizing the position. They're changing the game like Steph changed with the three. Black quarterbacks are changing the game with the ability to scramble and throw the deep ball at the same time. So um, and I'm not giving the NFL, NFL no type of credit for this. Um, big ups to Magic reading his paper. I, I always don't want to see a black man get paid. But – it does nothing for us or does nothing for to make us feel like the NFL is progressing in that way, in my opinion. Yeah, I won't. Um, I, I certainly uh, agree, you know, uh, as far as with the NFL, you know, trying to, I guess, claim or look like they're making strides. But um, may I remind everyone that there are still three black head coaches in the NFL, 32 teams, only three black head coaches. That's Tomlin, D'Amico Ryans, and Todd Bowles. Um, how many general managers? I believe maybe one, two, um, you know, VPs, um, you know, presidents, right? People who are actually making decisions. Um, ownership uh, is nice. Um, and, you know, what we should at least appreciate is that you know, at least Magic is trying to get in that room that we all say that we need more voices in. Um, and so he's at least trying to do that. Um, and, you know, being a minority owner, I mean, listen, I mean, $6 billion. I mean, if, if you got to 
got it to put up, you know, then put it up. I mean, obviously he doesn't have the six billion uh, to be the majority. Um, so he's got to do it this way. Um, and things could unfold. I mean, a lot of people, you know, when they get in these situations, um, then a lot of minorities sell. Um, and then all of a sudden you own 51%. Um, so you never know what can happen um, in the situation. But, um, you know, for the NFL, you're still missing the ball uh, as far as, you know, head coaches, general managers, VPs, people actually making decisions um, and getting more um uh, 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 black men and black women in the NFL on your staff, on your, you know, on your coaching staffs, um, in those rooms making decisions, you know, on draft night in those rooms making decisions about, you know, uh, um, who's going to be on on the practice squad, who you know who fits, who's you know who has great character, right? Black quarterbacks have always been in the league, um, you know, um, and so it's great to see them, uh, those young guys getting drafted, and hopefully they do well. Uh, but we had a slew of black quarterbacks in the league. But how many, you know, black Super Bowl head coaches have we had? Um, general managers have we had? Right. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't stop with just trying to get, um, you know, a, a black owner. So, um, again, I would say, you know, kudos to Magic for at least trying to get in the room. Again, we say that we need voices in those rooms. Well, at least he's trying to do that. Um, and like I said, you never know where where it can happen he could possibly one day become the major, uh, majority owner it can happen i think that's how um it happened for jordan if i'm not mistaken um so it's possible but we you know we'll see we'll see so so speaking of that like you're speaking of the the black head coaches they have the rooney rule and the rooney rule requires uh, the the teams to interview at least one black candidate every time there is an opening for the jobs so that means that we get eight to ten jobs opening up in the NFL every year. In every one of those positions, they have to interview a black person per the Rooney Rule. And we have three black head coaches. And ten times out of ten, those teams are terrible that they're getting. <laughs> Affirmative action. That's all it is. Affirmative action in the NFL when it comes to interviewing. You interview one just to say you did it, but they don't want them guys called. And it's crazy because most of the players in the NFL are black is 70% of them, if I'm not mistaken. And 80. All of the star players, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, obviously the, the best players in the history of NFL are black, but they can't get a head coaching job. Get the fuck out of here, man. Come on. We got we to gotta remember that when you are an NFL player, you are a worker, right? So a.k.a. slave. You know, you on the plantation, you the worker. So yeah, majority of them gonna be black. So hooray, you got three um black quarterbacks, right? That you just hired three workers. You didn't do nothing else, right? Uh, and then yeah. why do you have to make certain certain times? Why do you have to make make rules? You usually have to make rules when somebody didn't obey it, and you just like, yeah, we need to make a rule for that. They made this rule because for a very long time you ain't hiring black people at you ain't that means you weren't even interviewing black people. So now you just made the rule to appease just to get them in there. Like, okay, oh, let's get the black person in, but we ain't hiring them. Just okay. like Amrock said, we need them, we need them real jobs. Let us make some decisions. If you guys remember that. 
before the current uh, NFL PA, the the when you got drafted, there wasn't a rookie pay scale. So now there's a rookie pay scale. So based upon where you're drafted, your your contracts are already dictated for the first four seasons of your of your uh, contract. Back then, you have to actually go to the negotiation table after you draft them. So as soon as the rookie pay scale is implemented, now you feel comfortable with drafting black quarterbacks in the top 10. But before that rookie pay scale, you have to go actually negotiate. You stayed away from black quarterbacks almost every time. And when they got drafted, they got drafted in the second or third round where they didn't have that leverage to go to the negotiation table. So everything is always about leverage in the game of business. And the NFL is doing a good job right now of showing face and keeping the leverage. So it's all a play. It is all a ploy. And it's all a tactic. You know what I'm saying? And and they lost to Lamar Jackson and end up having to pay this man his money without the uh, without hiring the agent. So that shows you that if you get enough tactics, you can combat them and win and actually have a, a, a actual real negotiate seat at the negotiation table. And that was why they didn't want to pay him is that they don't want us in those rooms working those type of deals because then that lets them know, lets us know not only to how to go about it, but also how to, you know, Jay-Z got a bar that say, show them how to move in a room full of vultures. The industry's shady. It need to be taken over. You know what I'm saying? And that's what, and then you talk about Jay-Z coming in with the NFL and doing the halftime shows. You know what I'm saying? You got to have these tactics, man. If you show your hand at the door and you lost all leverage, they're going to use you up for what they would need you for and push you out the door instantly. So never show your hand in business. Never, never tell your left hand what your right hand is doing. You know what I'm saying? And, and and learn you some tactics and be tactical about everything you do when it comes to business. And I think that a lot of these NFL, they ain't happy with just making it to the NFL now. They getting money in the NIL deals. You see Angel Reese and them, they won. They're like, you going to the WNBA? Angel Reese and them, like, nah. I'm getting 500, 600, 700K a year in college right now. There's no rush for me to jump to the league now. So with right. the NIL, is really making a game changer. Not everybody's thirsty for this money. And everybody going to hold, hold their guns and stand on their shit and make sure that they put their family, not just themselves, but their family in the best position going forward. So, but the NFL, they on the same shit. Let's get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So everybody knows about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jay-Z was the last rap artist to get inducted. And now Missy Elliott becomes the first female rapper to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So now we have the first female hip-hop artist inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What are y'all thoughts on this? And... Let's give Missy Elliott her flowers. I have uh, Yah in the past speaking on Missy Elliott saying on this podcast that Missy Elliott deserves to be there and that Missy Elliott, you know, is the, one of the top female rappers ever. So Missy Elliott in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yah, kick us off. What's your thoughts on it? Well, I think that Missy Elliott is 
Oh my goodness. When I seen this, I got so geeked. I've been saying it. Missy Elliott is one of the greatest rappers of all time. So most of us won't put her on your top five, your top three. If she's not on your top 10, at least, I, she needs to be on your top seven. Let me give you guys a couple things. We're not even going to talk about, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about the songs that she has done for herself because we know those songs. Let me give you guys some stuff. 702, uh, 702, uh, Stilo, Missy wrote it. Oh, Mariah Carey, uh, Baby baby Doll, Missy wrote it. Um, Total Trippin', Missy wrote it. Um, Beyonce Signs, Missy wrote it. M Monica So Gone, Missy wrote it. Maya, My Love Is Like Whoa, Missy wrote it. Um, do You guys want me to keep going? Oh, um, Sierra. Oh, yeah. Aaliyah, One in a Million, Missy wrote it. Um, Sierra, One Two Step, Missy wrote it. Um, Destiny's Child, she wrote some songs for um, Whitney Houston, Genuine. Do I need to keep going? This lady has a catalog that goes for days, and we don't put no respect on Missy's name. I've been on this podcast saying we needed to put some respect on Missy Elliott's name. She is one of the greatest rappers of all time. Missy, I've been rocking with you. I know what you do, girl. Keep doing it. Oh, yeah. And she doing it while she got, what is it called? I think it's called Graves' disease or something like that. So she doing it where her body and her muscles are fatiguing on her. And she's still telling you to go get your freak on. I'm just saying. Missy, keep paving the way. There's some female rappers out there that ain't getting their roses. Missy, I'm so glad that you got your roses. Lauren Hill needs to get her roses too. She is the original Drake, and I'm going to keep saying that as well. Get that camera out of my face. Let's go. I've been saying this. <laughs> well, you know, I couldn't agree more. Um, well deserved by Missy Elliott. She's one of the greatest musicians, period of all time you know i don't think it's just she's limited to being a rapper like y'all named all the artists she wrote for she's a great writer producer i mean think about the production the person that she's worked timbaland has some of the hardest beats in hip-hop history and missy has worked hand in hand with timbaland on a lot of his own shit timbaland and magoo Aaliyah's whole albums not just songs genuine's whole albums her own I mean, mm -hmm. she was dancing in her, in her songs as well, had full choreography and dancing while rapping. Um, Missy has done it all. She has, you know, she made <clears throat> that little core group of the 90s for a minute with the Missy, Timberland, um, Genuine, Aaliyah, Timberland, and Magoo. Between those four or five artists right there in the 90s, they was running shit low key. You know what I'm saying? They had hit album after hit album after hit album until Aaliyah died. And then she continued on after that to write for other people and drop her own music, which was hot as hell. So Missy, yes, Missy definitely, definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. She's definitely one of the greatest hip hop people just overall as a, as a producer, as a writer, as a rapper, as a song maker, as a hit maker. Missy is definitely one of the best people all time in music. And um, she needs to be recognized. And like y'all said, they need to go ahead and follow up with 
you know, uh, ladies like Lauren Hill, you know, who won five Grammys, you know, um, with the miseducation of Lauren Hill and uh, really, really changed, changed uh, the world in music with, uh, with a lot of hip hop artists with stuff like that, five Grammys. I think Lauren Hill was the first one to do it as a black female artist. So um, <clears throat> well-deserved by Missy and uh, hopefully they keep on giving some of our, our, our black artists female artists their props and putting them in there because Missy has been dope as hell forever and she's still dope as hell. Shout out to two up, two down, seven, five, seven. <laughs> well deserved Missy Elliott, uh, one of the best to ever come out of Virginia. Um, you know, just a, I, I just can't help but think about, you know, shout out to Tim Timberland, shout out to uh, Magoo, um, Pharrell, um rest in peace Aaliyah. shout out to genuine um you know all of these artists sierra all of these artists that she worked with uh tweet um you know missy elliott has had an incredible career and has impacted uh so many people um you know touched the light on so many people not just as far as with her music but just you know the things that she does outside of that with you know her foundations and helping children um, she's been through a lot in her life, um, and it's just great to see her get this honor, um, even though she didn't need this, of course, to solidify her greatness. Um, but nevertheless, she's in there, um, and it's very well-deserved. Um, and we should start seeing some more, like y'all brought up Lauren Hill, of course. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, Queen Latifah should be in there. Um, you know, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of different uh, female uh, hip-hop artists, of course, but you know, with Missy Elliott, yeah, she is one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, not just with her music, but um, I forgot who brought it up, but with her music videos as well. Um, her and Busta, I would love to see a versus just with music videos with them too. Um, but you know, she's um, you know, she's incredible. I mean, she's given us hits after hits after hits. Um, has us dancing, has us you know singing, has us shouting, has us you know like what the hell has she got on? What the hell is she wearing in this video? What is she doing? But it's just she brings you in you know she's very captivating she's very just herself um you know and and that's dope and she's been dope since she came out um and she's still dope um and again shout out to the seven five seven two up two down hmm. my, my only gripe against missy elliott was when she superimposed her head on that body and was clown dancing in that one music video. <laughs> we was like, what the hell is that, man? That was terrible, man. Yeah. Whoever the editor was for that, man, fire. Yeah. You should have never hired them. Because that didn't look real at all. Wasn't I guess that the was, Lose Control video? Yeah, it was. That one, yeah. And she was, her head was on the body clown dancing? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that it was, was terrible, man. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was the only knock I got against Missy. You know, she's definitely one of the greatest. But don't superimpose your your face on nothing. Because it just don't look good. Whoever you hire for that, I hope they're not working in the industry no more. That was terrible. Well uh, before I let before I let this go, before before I let this go, I gotta say this. Hey Missy, when you hear this, I'm the one that said it. Missy Elliott is the greatest female rapper of all time. <laughs> You stand on that, huh? Go against that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stand on. All right, man. So let's get to this last topic, man. So as you know, 2024 is coming up. We got the election. 
Biden finally threw his hat, his name in the hat late. So it's looking like we having a Biden versus Trump, you know, part two. And we got bigger problems, man. We talked about the dollar going under a few weeks ago. And then we talked about the government dropping his, their own cash app a few weeks ago. And now the debt ceiling in America is at $22 trillion. And unless we raise the debt ceiling and go into more debt before June 1st, it looks like America is going to be heading into a recession and possibly a, a depression as Democrats and Republicans are at a standstill. Once again, they cannot agree on anything. As you remember when this happened with Obama and who was the vice president? Smoking Joe. And they had shut down the government for like 70, 80 days because they couldn't figure out the debt problem. And now it's looking like we're in the same position again, but only it's worse because this time Smoking Joe is the president, man. So America is $22 trillion in debt, and we're looking to raise the debt ceiling so that we can go into more debt so that we do not default on our debt. And if we do default on our debt, it has never happened in the history of the country. So we don't even know the ramifications or what that actually even means. What are your thoughts on the state of America as the debt ceiling sits at $22 trillion? Somebody should have asked Smoking Joe, what has he been smoking? Um, <laughs> plain and simple. Uh, you know, listen, this country has been in debt. How long? How many decades? And, you know, this with politics, man, the, the shit is hilarious. The shit keeps going on and on and on. They put us in this box. They put us in this fear. Oh my gosh, we owe tri First of all, I don't owe shit. All right. So, <laughs> um, let's make yeah, I don't think y'all brothers owe shit either. Um, so you know, it's you know, this this government that is just um crippling um this country is these politicians, the powers that be who make these decisions, um, not just federally, but statewide as well. Um, you know, you look at the shit that's going on in Florida and Texas, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then, you know, uh we hear about another in, in Georgia as well, and we hear another about a mass shooting in Atlanta. Um, you know, it's just the 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 hypocrisy that goes on in this country, this propaganda that goes on in this country is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, you know, trillion dollars in debt, again, what does that, what does that really mean, right? Again, who do we owe? We, we know China, Russia, all, all the people that we're in debt with, again, so what, right? I mean, you, you guys are still gonna take it out of our taxes some way, somehow. Um, you know, you can't vote on certain things like that, but you can vote on, you know, increasing mortgage um, uh, interest rates, which just passed, right? So you're increasing that. You can make a decision on, you know, potentially preventing, uh, especially uh, black people and minorities from getting homes. Um, but you can't agree on, you know, how much we owe and, you know, what is the American public going to pay and, and, and all this nonsense, right? Um, you know, and Biden is at the head of it. But again, as we talked about before, this just isn't, ha hasn't been a Biden problem. It was the thing with Trump. It was the thing with Obama. It was the thing with uh, uh, Bush, uh, Clinton, uh, so on and so forth. Reagan, uh, uh, Bush before him, Carter, all of them. Nixon, we can keep it going. 
um, you know, this has been a thing, been a issue um, that they keep bringing up again, just to keep us in fear, keep us in this box that, oh my gosh, if we don't pay this money back, something crazy is going to happen. Nothing's crazy. What's crazy is what's happening in these streets. Um, when you try to just simply go to the mall, go to the grocery store, pray in a church or, um, you know, take your kids to school. That's where the craziness is happening. And that's what we need to wake up to instead of, um, you know, what the Republicans and the Democrats are arguing or well, or not arguing about. She, I mean, there's, like Amrock said, <laughs> when is America not been in debt? I mean, they want to sit up here and scare us with some shit that we can't control. Like, talking about we in debt. Who the fuck is we? We ain't in debt. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't got nothing to do with us. We ain't got no voice or no say on what goes on about the debt of America as a country. The real problem is when we go to the goddamn grocery store and we going to go get some lactate gallon of milk for $7. Or, sure. you know, we got a 32 pack of water. That's $9 with CRV. We got bags of hot cheetos that used to be 250 that is five dollars now like we need to be talking about that type of shit. gas is still five dollars you know what i'm saying two bedroom apartments is two thousand dollars like that's what, what what are we talking about here now that's the fucking issues that we need to talk about like american being in debt they want to sit up here and scare him uh scare us with this and we're going to depression what the fuck difference is gonna make to us if we feel like we already in a goddamn depression you know what I'm saying? Especially as minorities. So America got to get that shit together. Um, it ain't a smoking Joe problem. As Amrock said, this is a, a government problem. This is an American problem. Something that we've always been a part of. It's something I was born in 83. I've been hearing this shit since 91, 90 when I was in elementary school. You know what I'm saying? So this is something that uh, they got to get together. And, um, you know, I'm more worried about the Americans that stay in these expensive states such as California, New York you know um california new york for sure you know um expensive states to stay in how it's so expensive to live for the average person you know those are the issues that are more concerning to me as far as this depression shit, shit. <laughs> they've been saying some shit like this is gonna happen forever so you know ain't nothing i can do about it so i'm not really you know tripping off what's gonna happen with that i, I don't trip off of stuff i can't control so you know uh, i think we got bigger problems up Mm -hmm. Let us pray, my brothers. Mm -hmm. Lord, Father God up in heaven, Joe Biden and the rest of these politicians, they screwing us over, Lord, bending us over, no Vaseline, ice cube style. <laughs> and hey, Lord, they so worried about this a trillion dollars that my brothers have said it. They have said it that I don't owe nobody no a trillion dollars because if I owe somebody a trillion dollars, Lord, I would not be living in this house right now because I will be in debt. And they would say, no, Yajaketi, you cannot buy that house. You cannot buy that car. You cannot go get these things that you get because you owe a trillion dollars. So that trillion dollar debt is not my debt, Lord. Mm-hmm. But Lord, they worried about a trillion dollars, but ain't nowhere on the news is talking about this lady that killed her stepson, chopped up his little body, put him in a suitcase. Nobody's talking about that, Lord. Oh, no, Lord, nobody's talking about 
the the other lady that killed her stepdaughter put her stepdaughter in a bucket and delivered her to her biological mama's house down the street but well, we talking about a trillion dollars a trillion dollars that ain't nobody on this podcast oh i just don't get it joe biden talking about a trillion dollars these people talking about a trillion dollars and what i have learned lord in marketing is the best way you to market to people is if you use scare tactics because those scare tactics that you use will get people to buy so lord why they talking about a trillion dollars using scare tactics when we about to go into election oh you using your scare tactics so you can jump in front of this pole the in front of the people and tell the people you need to vote for me because if you vote for me i can help bring down this to trillion dollars but i am smoking joe and how many murders have been under you smoking joe a trillion amen <laughs> more probably more murders than what we owe right but but the thing that is is that when you die your your, your, your debt doesn't go away the transfers to your your loved ones and so you know what i'm saying this this whole shit is crazy but the whole thing right now is that as you remember nancy pelosi was the house speaker because the democrats had the house now the republicans have the house they have mccarthy and guess what McCarthy is not playing ball with Joe Biden and them. So now they're trying to blame the Republicans for not raising the debt ceiling, saying, hey, the Republicans are the ones that's playing hardball, and they're the ones that's going to, you know, ruin the country. So the Democrats and the Republicans are playing the same game, red versus blue, bloods versus crips, and for a bunch of debt that they took while they taking tax breaks, and you got places like Amazon and Walmart bringing in trillions of dollars and paying no dollars in taxes, paying zero dollars in taxes. And then you wonder why we can't pay back our debt because the motherfuckers making all the money ain't paying no fucking taxes. And you think that you're going to nickel and dime us? And then that's why they want to do the Fed now so that they can fuck around and they could track every dollar so that they can tax every dollar. And that's the problem is they, they so focused on taxing us instead of taxing them and that's been the answer the whole entirety of our country is that we've been giving so many breaks to the rich to keep them rich and to get them richer when the when COVID happened I, I mentioned this last week COVID happened we got a stimulus check we got PPP loans guess what they got they got opportunity zones they got tariffs where they getting taxes on people that import. They, they got tax break on importing. They got uh, the opportunity zones were built so that America would bring their stuff from overseas and manufacture in America and pay basically no taxes. So say, hey, bring that shit from over there and put it here and pay no taxes on it. So now the, the rich got richer over. So now... You remember before COVID, everybody was millionaires. Now, after COVID, everybody billionaires. Like this shit is this shit is a, a sick, wicked game. And they playing it and they playing it for keeps, man. Go ahead. 
Go ahead, yeah. If I ask, I ask you three brothers, if I owed you guys money, right, and you say my money is not valuable, do I still owe you money? Oh, I say that because we we say we behind a trillion dollars, but is it a couple weeks ago China said that they don't even want our dollar no more? <laughs> you see, but we see, but what they're I'm talking about—they're talking about the debt ceiling. So how this happens is, if they don't raise the debt ceiling, then we can't print any more money. So then the money that's in circulation will have to be recalled. The banks are already closing down because they don't have enough money. If you went to the bank and tried to pull out, you had a million dollars in the bank, and you tried to pull out a million dollars, it would take them. A a week for them to even get enough money to give you that million dollars. You got rappers going trying to throw money in the strip club, talking about the bank only gives them Yo twenty thousand. Not the bank don't even got enough money to give them their own money. And if the bank defaults, I think it's only like ten percent of the money that you got in the bank that they have to pay back. So if you put a hundred million in the bank and the bank go under, bank only got to pay you back ten percent of that. So if you yeah. you heard about the Silicon Valley but if you, bank that went under, but if, you withdrew, the, if you have a withdrawal and you over how much they charge you when you don't got no money in the bank and you over fifty uh, and you go over fifty cents, like thirty five dollars or something like that. <laughs> but when they don't got no money, ten <laughs> percent. Yeah. So what they're what they're talking about with the debt ceiling is that basically being able to go into more debt so that we can get more credit from these countries so that when they recall their debt, because if we can't get no more credit, they can basically shut us off and say, hey, we're not giving you nothing else until you pay us our money. And we don't got the money to pay them back. So it's either we open up and get more lines of credit or I don't. I don't know what else. I don't. I don't even know what to do at this point. <laughs> I mean, how do you fix this? Hey, can I get some credit? Can I get some credit? Even though you don't want our money. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say it's nothing we need to fix. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the government, and this is what they never want to talk about, and this is why they want to talk about everything but the money. If you look on the, if you look on. A lot of these news sites, news sites run 24-7, but they never actually talk about this debt. This is something that has been happening, like Amrock mentioned, throughout all the presidencies. But they want to talk about all type of shit. And then you got Joe Biden. As you see, his, his approval rating is at like 37% or something like that. And, and he was just in a press conference, and he called the reporter boy. We know how it is when an old white man calls somebody boy. That is racist as a motherfucker. Hell yeah. He told the reporter, <laughs> shut your mouth, boy. Oh, hell no. That's that redneck shit right there. <laughs> and we about to, so it's about to be the redneck Biden, or we're going to have to run back with Trump, man. And this is like, for all the problems America has right now, this is like the worst place to be in as far as these two presidents, man. We fucked either know. way. We fucked up. So black people, that's why we're doing this podcast, man, so that we can educate motherfuckers so that at least 
the information is out there and we can try to figure out what we can do in this situation because the first thing is really understanding what's going on so that we know how to combat it, man. Well, let's get some shout outs before we get up out of here. Hey, listen, I know Caleb, uh, all, Caleb's always talking about, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going <laughs> to do. See, listen, I don't know but what y'all going to do. I'm going to take this water right here. I'm going to act like it's holy water. Lord Jesus, we're going to need you to help us out because where this world is going, I don't know what y'all going to do, but I'm sprinkling myself with some holy water to help me out. Shout out to you, gentlemen. Thank you guys for all that you do. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep enlightening the world because we need it. Keep handling your man things. I appreciate you guys. And that's it. Yeah, uh, as always, shout out to you guys. Shout out to Politicking. Um, thank you uh, for always having uh, having me and, and having us on, on the show. Um, it's always a great uh, opportunity to speak with you guys uh, about the topics that we do. Um, and again, uh, you know, congratulations to uh, Missy Elliott as well. Um, it's a great honor and you know, very well deserved as well as Joel Embiid uh, winning the MVP this year. Very well deserved. So uh, again, as always, Shout out to you guys. Um, and yeah, let's keep it going. <clears throat> Shout out to the listeners that's uh, continuing listening to the poly- politics in the podcast on the audio and who watch us on YouTube and all these other platforms. Shout out to y'all for keeping us going and holding us down. Shout out to the politicking family, you know, Dank, you know, his wife, Jade. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the staff on this show who come on here every day, you know, the mayor in his absence, you know, Yah, Amrock, you know, and everybody else who stopped through and, and fucked with us on this Wednesday. We've been doing this for a couple years and, um, you know, we're going to keep on going, man, to discuss these issues that are not really discussed in our community. Really, it gives uh, people the opportunity to go ahead and hear about some of these things that are not talked about enough. So, you know, Shout out to uh, Dank for bringing us these topics and um, allowing us to voice our opinions and uh, and express our feelings on some of these topics, important topics that are not being discussed. So follow us, remember, and uh, keep on watching. Uh, we got a lot of things that we're doing going forward for the future, working in the background. Things get hard. I want everybody to remember that you got to keep going. Um, don't stop. Things are going to get rough as hell. Things are going to get so rocky on your way up. But you can't give up. You got to keep going. So shout out to everybody that's keeping going. And for real, that's that's real, man. Sometimes it is hard to to find that motivation to keep going, man. Just before I started this podcast, it was about seven fifteen, and I'm laying in the floor in my bedroom, like ah, I don't need. I'm so tired. You know, it's like. It's like you just got to find that inner will to just keep going and, and just, you know, step into, you know, the, the your, your destiny and your purpose. And I think that once you find that purpose, man, it definitely gives you that energy and that motivation you need, you know, to conquer everything and keep going. And then when you're surrounding yourself with the proper team like I have with you guys, you know what I'm saying? Then I don't have to look far for motivation. You know what I'm saying? Because I know y'all right there. With the going through the same type of shit that I'm going through, because we all got shit going on in the background, but we still find a way 
to pick our heads up, you know what I'm saying, stay in a positive light and, and be the change that we never saw, you know what I'm saying, because growing up, I never had an outlet. I never had people that spoke on these type of topics or even was interested in having these type of conversations. So this is why, you know what I'm saying, I, I created the politic and brand because we get on the block and we talk about all the streets politics and we get on the block and we talk about all the bullshit and now we get on these podcasts and everybody want to talk about sex and threesomes and eating each other's booty holes and all type <laughs> of shit. Niggas want to talk about everything but something of substance. You know what I'm saying? And that shit, it don't fly with me. You know what I'm saying? So, like I say, at the end of every episode, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to get to it, man. Probably taking the podcast. We out. Smoking Dank Sinatra, that's all gas. On a hunt in a tall grass. Intercepting every ball pass, then I run it back, that's a TD. Check the scoreboard, y'all last. We up one, you see me. Pussy niggas wanna talk about it, go to Hellcat, no demon. I be politicking on your broadcast, at the red carpet like the famous homie. Ask your bitch, really famous homie, and you know it's in me, it ain't on me. So creative like I made Adobe. I've been balling like I play with.